0: No, you just didn't wake up in the middle of the service. <laughs> Some of you are looking at your watches going, "Why did, did I doze off that whole time? <sighs> I hope you'll find there's method to our madness uh, in just a few minutes when we get into uh, the meat of the service. We are glad that you're here on this Sunday morning. Uh, this is the first Sunday of our new Sunday schedule with uh, beginning at the... and 11 o'clock service. We'll keep that. We'll have a couple of meetings over the summer and talk to you about why we're doing uh, some of the things that we're doing. Basically, what we did in 1991 when I came here uh, doesn't work so much anymore. Uh, And I'm not a real good fisherman, but I'm a fisherman enough to know that if one bait's not working, you change the bait. And so as we reach a new group of people who are moving into the Brentwood area, we're going to have to begin to change some of the ways we approach what we do. Uh, and it is a different challenge, and it is an interesting challenge, and an exciting challenge. And uh, so a lot of the changes we're doing are motivated by that. So, so hang on with us, we're going to get there. Uh, We're going to start a series on uh, three spiritual disciplines over the next three weeks. Uh, Today is the discipline of prayer. Uh, Next week is the discipline of Scripture. And then the the third of the series is the discipline of Sabbath. Uh, and we hope as we transition into the, sermon, uh, into the summer that you can begin to learn some of these practices and begin to put them in practice in your own life. Hence, we have switched the service today, so I'll teach on prayer, and then we'll spend the rest of the time praying and responding to the Lord in worship through our prayers. So that's why I'm up here early. Uh, then Sunday So All of us have questions that we're going to ask Jesus when we get there. All of us have those hard questions that we can't figure out, and we say to ourselves, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus about this. I'm going to ask him about uh, why there was evil in the world, or why my friend had to suffer, or why this happened to me, or why that happened to me. And I'm going to have a long conversation with Jesus about some of the things that I didn't understand that didn't make any sense to me. Well, here's what doesn't make sense to me. Why are you postponing that conversation? Why are you thinking that when we all get to heaven, assuming we all get there, that's another conversation, that when we all get to heaven, then we're going to spend some time talking to Jesus about these things? You do know Jesus is alive. Is that news to you? You do know he listens to the prayers of his children. Is that news to you? You do know that if you ask him questions, he'll give you answers. Is that news to you? Right after teaching on his second coming, and the necessity of being ready when he came. Jesus gave his followers, his children, two stories on prayer because he knew living between the giving of the promise and the keeping of the promise would be some of the toughest times for those who followed him. So he gave us two stories on prayer so we would learn how to pray and not give up. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. First 1 of chapter 18 in the Gospel of Luke. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. A widow in that town kept coming to him and said... Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now listen to what the unjust judge says. Will, God, will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even just like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept striking his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. I tell you, the one, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So he told them the story so they would learn the importance of praying and not giving up. This is God's Word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Give us the persistence of this widow and the humility of the tax collector so that you will hear our prayers and answer them in ways that only you can. And we pray this in your name. Amen. There's always the gap. There's always this in-between. The in-between of the graduation The earning of the degree and the actual ceremony that says you're a graduate, there's always a gap. There's always a gap between the engagement saying you're going to get married and the ceremony that says now you are officially married. There's always the gap between the giving of the promise and the keeping of the promise. The promise of Jesus' return, I will come back to you. I will take you to the place that I have prepared for you. The giving of that promise and the keeping of that promise. Jesus knew that living in this gap would be some of the most difficult times for his followers. So he gave us these parables about prayer, about the conversation that we are to continually to be having with Jesus about how hard it is to live in the gap. Now, yes, we know that when Christ returns, things will be made right. What is wrong will be made right. What is broken will be fixed. What has been lost will be restored. Those who have trusted in him will be pulled into a place beyond description, never having to leave the side of Jesus again. We understand that. We know that. But we also know this is the place where we live this is where we live now, where things are messed up, where things are broken, where injustice isn't made right, the temptation is to throw your hands up in despair, to say that's just the way it is and there's nothing we can do about it. To say this thing is too big even for God to fix. So we quit praying. We quit dreaming. We quit hoping. We quit trying. We give up. So Jesus told his followers a story. A story about a widow who had been wronged. Who through whatever occasion or whatever process drew a judge who was unsympathetic to her cause. Now Jesus describes this judge as being, not, not being afraid of God and not being afraid of anybody else. He was in it for himself. And no one could tell him what to do or tell him how to do it. In fact, you kind of get the impression of this that this judge was not totally on the up and up. And that the reason he did not hear this widow's case is there was nothing in it for him. If she wanted his attention, she probably knew how to get his attention, and it usually involved cash. But she didn't have that. In the time of Jesus, there was no so- social services. There was no government programs. And she was on her own. If she didn't have children who would take care of her. She had no asset at all no way to take care of herself. But somebody owed her something. Somebody had done her wrong and every day she would wear this judge out. Do you know what his his complaint says? Unless she continues to humiliate me, unless she, she continues to pester me. You know what that literally means? She's going to give me a black eye. That's a literal translation. She's going to She's going to blacken my eye in front of all my friends. And you and I use that expression now. Such and such happened. Yeah, that's a black eye on our situation. That's a black eye on our company. That's a black eye on me. She's going to give him a black eye. She's going to humiliate him to the point that even his friends are going to start talking about him. Hey, saw your friend out in the parking lot, judge. She's here again, judge. She says you need to do the right thing, Judge. On and on and on. Finally, he hears her case. She literally wore him down. So Jesus asked his followers a question. Is God your father like the crooked judge? No. He's not like the judge at all. He waits to hear our prayers. He enjoys to hear our prayers. He encourages us to come to him and talk through what's going on in our life. Not only is he not like the judge in that he encourages this conversation and this kind of depth of relationship, he will act swiftly. Put the process in motion to bring a completion for your best. God is always working in our lives, and He is always working for our best. Now, you do know that that best is determined by eternal standards, not momentary wants. And sometimes there's a conflict, isn't there, between what's best and eternity and what we want right now. Sometimes there's a conflict in that. And sometimes we're not sure God is working for our best because he doesn't give us what we want. Another story. He's always working for our best. God isn't like the crooked judge at all. So then Jesus asks a second question. Do you pray like that persistent widow? No. No. No, we don't. It's just you and me talking. It's just you and me here. all right. So let's be honest with each other. We'll pray once. Dear Jesus, help me with this. We'll pray twice. Dear Jesus, help me with this. We may even pray three times. Dear Jesus, help me with this. After the third time, if it's not answered or we can't see something happening, we'll give up. We'll assume this must not be God's will. I'm prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, this must not be God's will, and we will give up. So let me ask you something think about this. What is it that you're saying must not be God's will? Is it not God's will that our friends come to know Him through Jesus Christ? Isn't that His will? Is it his will that children stay sick and suffer? Is that his will? Sometimes we throw our hands up and say, well, this must not be God's will. Well, the reality is, is that we're just too tired to pray. We just don't have the faith to keep on praying. Ask. Ask. And it will be given to you. Knock and it will be open. Seek and you will find. You know how that word is written? How do you hear it? Knock once, right? That's the way the English sounds knock once. Knock, knock, door is open. Ask and it's given. That's not what the Greek says. Keep on knocking until the door is open. Keep on asking. Until the answer is given, keep on seeking until you find. It is a constant effort of action. Are we like the widow? No. Now I know. This is where. This is where a fear shows because our, our our first response is, "Mike, listen." I'd love to be able to pray like that. I just can't pray like that. I, I'm not spiritually mature enough. I'm not deep enough. I don't have that kind of faith. I just can't pray like that. That's why Jesus gave you the second story. Two guys go into the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee. One is a big dude. One is somebody. And he wants everybody in there to know. Do you know in uh, the time of Jesus, the, the custom was to, was to pray standing up with the arms extended, and you would pray out loud. If you go now to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, you will hear this constant buzz of the rabbis and the other devout believers there who are praying and they pray out loud. So that means everybody around, including the, the tax collector himself, would have heard the prayers of the, public, uh, of, the, of, the, of the Pharisee Lord, I thank you, I'm not like everybody else. I don't lie, I don't cheat, I've been faithful to my wife, I tithe off of everything I get, I fast twice a week, which is above and beyond what the law required. And I thank you, I'm not like, "Mm, that guy. Now I know you're thinking that you would never pray that way, but we pray this way all the time, don't we? When we get into a little mess, we get into a bind, we get caught, we get guilty, we get, what's our first prayer? Lord, I know I messed up, but I, I, but listen, I, I'm not as bad as the axe murderer. (laughs) Do it all the time. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Jesus, I know I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Same prayer. Not as bad as that guy. Jesus told, told his followers, do not pray like that. Because you have, because people who pray like that already have their reward. What does it mean? It means they prayed to be heard. They prayed to impress other people. And Jesus is saying, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get, nothing more. So everybody go, ooh, that was a great prayer. But God wouldn't listen to it. Ooh. That was impressive. Everybody heard, but God isn't going to act. You got what you wanted. Everybody listened to you. Everybody was impressed. Prayer's over. Well, listen to the prayer of the tax collector. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Didn't even look up. You see, the only thing that God wants in our prayers is a little bit of honesty. I get so frustrated when I come to Baptist meetings and somebody will have four flat tires, lose their job, stand up and thank God for all the blessings of the day. (laughs) What? As if Jesus has not seen your day as if he has not been there. Here's what he wants. It's a little honesty. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's where I blew it. Here's where I need strength. Here's where I need courage. Here's where I need some wisdom. I don't have a clue what to do next. Just a little bit of honesty. A little persistence honesty. Don't expect Jesus to answer your prayer the first time. Why? Because Jesus is serious about his kingdom. Amen. And he's not going to respond to flippant off the cuff remarks as you pass by. What happens in prayer is serious soul work. What happens in prayer is serious kingdom work. And Jesus is serious about his kingdom. So go back again. Pray as honestly as you know how. Be persistent as you know how. Pray like a child. Have you ever seen a child talk to their father? Daddy, please. No. Daddy, please, please. No. Daddy, please, 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 please. No, come back later. Daddy, please. How many of you have given in to your child? (laughs) Give it in to your grandkid just because you were sick and tired of them asking. Can you pray persistently like that? Is there something so important in your life that God has to step in? Is God like the crooked judge? Of course not. Are we like the widow? Not at all. But can you start being like the tax collector? and just trust God with the honesty of where you are and what you're going through and start doing that now. One of the things that we have found out as we have been doing Kairos and other uh, teaching times is that nobody gives you the chance to pray or teaches you how to pray. So we're going to start the next part of our service right now by doing just that I'm going to invite you to a season of prayer and a time of prayer. So I want you to get comfortable, take a deep breath, put both feet on the floor I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to close your eyes so we kind of do anything. I just don't want you to be distracted by any of the motions that's going Side side or anybody moving around you. I just want you focused on your own life for this moment. I want you to begin by getting here. We don't assume that just because your body has walked into the building means you have. So whatever it is you need to do tomorrow, you can't do until tomorrow. Whatever it is you should have done yesterday, you can't do today. The only thing you can do is be right here, right now. Begin with praise. Adoration. This isn't gratitude, that's different. This is praising God for who He is. Now, you don't have time to do all of that right now. Just find one thing. Praise God for Creator. Praise God for Life-Giver. Praise God for Redeemer. Praise God for Father. Whatever image works for you right now, grab hold of that one and pray. I praise you for... Praise bring you to gratitude. How has God manifested Himself to you? How has He shown Himself to you this past week? Has He been teacher, Savior, Warrior? You don't have time for everything, but grab hold of that moment. When God could not have been more real to you and give gratitude for that moment. Let gratitude lead you to confidence. Jesus said, "Pray for your daily bread. What is it that you need? Not what is it that you want?" What is it that you need? Ask. Who is it you need to pray for? We call this intercession. Who's the friend? Who the Lord is now bringing to mind that you will pray for? What is it that Jesus would ask of you? Prayer is not a two a one way conversation. It's two way. There's things we would ask of Him. And there's things he would ask of us. Lord Jesus, welcome your children into your presence. Help us get more and more comfortable with you so that we'll feel the freedom to talk to you about whatever's going on as honestly and as deeply as we know how. And that we would learn like this widow to pray and not give up. And we pray this in your name.